You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AB hockey writer Steve Wino, and we are pleased to be joined by uh, Washington Post Capitals writer Sam Pell. Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat with you guys. And, and it's a good time to chat because this team's won two in a row now. I, I know every hockey person feels like in a playoff series. Once you lose a game, you think you're going to lose every game. Or you win a game, you think you're going to win everything. But it does certainly feel like, and, and, and I, I hope Carl feels the same way, it looks like this team is, is turning things around. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think Nick Jensen kind of summed it up pretty well the other night. He said, you know, not everything is perfect right now, but we're headed in the right direction, right? It seems like they're in a lot better place than they were just a couple weeks ago or even really last week. So, yeah, I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. And I think this upcoming trip to Canada will probably say a lot here. It's the old Bruce Boudreaux uh, curve, right? You, you win playing good, you win playing bad, then you lose playing good, and then it goes all the way back around again. <laughs> they lost a couple uh, not playing good, and then they're starting to play a little bit better now. So hopefully the curve continues. But this trip, although it's, um, you know, I guess I guess all three of those teams are kind of, they have their moments, right? So it could, be a, it could be a pretty tough one, but at the same time, I think the trip out west is really fun for the guys. I think they enjoy it. And so hopefully, hopefully it's... Uh, it's just hockey that they're worrying about, and they can have a good time. Carla, you and I can argue about this later, but I, I, this is the first time after Vitek Vanacek, Sam, played the, the way he has the last three games, that I'm convinced that if Brian McClellan doesn't get a goaltender and Vitek Vanacek isn't broken at some point in the playoffs like he was last year, that this team might be okay. Am I overreacting? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, you know what? <clears throat> I kind of like Vitek. I mean, it's hard to choose one over the other, but when, I, when he's in the net, I, I don't know, I... I feel like a little bit of that confidence, right? What you're hoping to feel. So I think he's, I think he would be probably the guy, but you know, obviously they're still, still going to look around two weeks or whatever until, until the deadline. But he, he seems like he's starting to emerge as, as the guy. I don't know, Sam, what, what do you think? You, you see them a lot more than I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think I kind of was not on board with either Vanacek or Sam Snov head into the playoffs. And then, you know, as we've watched them the last few games, I think, well, I know we've talked about this before, but I just feel more calm watching him. And I think he probably is more calm in net than maybe people think. And it feels like he has that confidence. It feels like the team, I think more importantly, also has that confidence in him. So I think there is still time before the deadline to go out and get someone. But I do think, you know, McCollin probably is going to look for, you know, a middle six forward in that depth, probably ahead of goaltending at this point, just because it feels like Manichek's kind of gone back to his, you know, better self that he was in December, January. That's a good transition, Sam, because the, the, the trade deadline, and we, we, you and I have talked about this and, and with Tom and Tarek and everybody, that Brian McClellan always says what he's, he means at the time, 
but he might not actually mean that for a longer period of time. And I almost think his comments last week about not being aggressive at the deadline may have been firing this team up a little bit. Uh, could we see more of an aggressive move than, than kind of a, a depth forward? When you're talking about a middle six guy, we could be talking more of a Thomas Hurdle or a Claude Giroux here than somebody who's just kind of a fill-in Andrew Cogliano type. Oh, for sure. I definitely think, you know, after Connor McClellan's very blunt comments, right? He's not very good at hiding things. He says what's on his mind all the time. And at that point, this team was not good. Now, right. two games later, they're on a two-game win streak. They actually look like they're putting the pieces together. You get Anthony Mantha, who, you know, to your credit too, he seems like a trade deadline ad, right? I mean, he's been gone for so long. Now you plug in a guy that all the guys already know, and he seems to bring that energy. So why not go out and try to get, you know, a guy like another Anthony Mantha to kind of add that energy in and maybe you do have something headed into the postseason i was going to joke about saying bring jacob rana back but i don't think that's actually, <laughs> i don't think that's actually a good idea <laughs> he's coming back though too isn't he in the next uh, game or whatever next tomorrow yeah, former Capitals winger Jacob Vron, who had to, also, ironic, uh, coincidentally had a shoulder injury, uh, is going to be back. The the Red Wings put uh, Danny DeKaiser on waivers today to, to, to be able to activate Jacob Vrana. But I, I think I think speaking of Jacob Vrana, and we, we've jokingly called Daniel Sprong Diet Vrana um, for kind of him being in, in Pierre Laviolette's doghouse a little bit. Uh, is there a future here for, for Daniel Sprong on this team? And I'm, I'm curious what both of you think about that. From what I hear, he's got he's got some of that skill that you, you just wish to have on your team, and it's whether or not it's working. You know, the coaching staff it likes what he can bring, and I feel like some some days he's he's awesome, and then other days it's they don't look like a lot of a lot of us when we play, we, we turn into uh, you know shadows of what we can do, and uh, and when he's good, it's it's a good fit. But you know, we we're always looking for consistency in the league, and so. That's when the coaching staff decides to uh, to make their choice on that. And I mean, sorry, just to, to jump back for a second, you know, with wanting them to maybe try and make a splash. And that's that's that was the question that we were asking. I think last week, Wino was was um, you know, do, do you do you think that the team is good enough, right, to to go after one of those big pieces? And you know, I, I'm I'm still not totally convinced. You know, it, it's just two games, um, and and you don't have much time to make that decision. Because I'm sure some of the teams are trying to get those those guys, the Drew and the Forsberg before before uh, it comes down to crunch time. But but I don't know. And then yeah, sorry, going back to to Sprawl, like you said, it's just it's tough to see those players, but we see we see them every every now and then. Um, you, you just want to see that that amazing uh, uh, that amazing talent come out every single game. But you know, it, it's also a mental game too. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, I think with Sprong, it's so hard because I think we saw him excel and go on that really nice run last season when he was in a top six role and when he was filling in for Ovechkin on the top line and all of that. So I think just with Sprong, it seems like his fit is when he gets more minutes and he's put in an offense position. And now kind of where his role is, it would be on the third line and it would be, you know, that line is not very offensive, right? That's kind of more of a defense focused line. And Lars Eller really carries that. And even Brian McCollin said he isn't really sure what that third line identity is with so many different wingers and going in and out and all that stuff. So, I mean, overall, I'm not sure if Strong is the fit in Washington, but I think they'd probably have to just turn that line into something different than it currently is. Let me bring up a name for you for the deadline that that uh, they haven't mentioned yet. Uh, a a reunion with Marcus Johansson, uh, maybe a, a, a guy we we saw in Washington the other night with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he knows he knows most a lot of these guys in this room. That'd be it's not the same sort of thing as Anthony Mantha, but it's at least somebody who's no knows Washington and knows this team. Yeah, I mean that would be awesome. I think it'd be sweet to have Joe go back here. And, you know, he has 
he has chemistry with some of those top guys too. So you could slot him in there. Um, you know, is Jojo a guy you throw on your third line though? Like, I'm not sure that he's a, he's a great fit there, but I'm, I think he's. How about second line? How about you throw him on second line and Oshi plays with Eller? Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you, you know, that makes sense too. I think that'd be a nice fit. And, and, and I think that, you know, him being comfortable, I believe it would be one of those things actually where he would come back and just feel you know, almost like a, like a breath of fresh air, like, oh, I'm back, you know, that's my spot. And, uh, and yeah, if you could get close to what Jojo was when he was here, I think that's a, that'd be a huge, huge bonus and, and, and cheap too. Right. So it'd be nice to, nice to bring someone back like that. Yeah. Sam, uh, this road trip coming up, I mean, the Western Canada trip, what do you, what do you, what should we look to see out of this team? And, and, and because I, I, I probably am overreacting to two wins in a row after three losses in a row, but is there something, is, is there something in consistency in this game that, that, that Peter Laviolette and his staff want to see over these three games? I mean, I definitely think, you know, the special teams has been good, actually, for the last bit or so. I think they have 13 power play goals in their last 13 games. And I think at times maybe they didn't look completely great. But I think the last two, they've had two power play goals and obviously two wins um, in both of those games. So I think that probably has to continue in that consistency. But I'm actually kind of curious to see if their offense stays as consistent as it has been. I think, you know, this is a team that's been looking for that offensive consistently. And it seems like some nights they just don't have it at all. Um, then you go on to the next night and they suddenly they find it again. So I'm kind of interested to see if that's going to continue against, you know, teams like Calgary and Edmonton and, you know, going up to Vancouver. Carl, did you play against McDavid? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. How, how, how'd you do? Um, I think I, uh, we did okay. I'm pretty sure when uh, – I think I got him for one year while I was still in Washington. Maybe – maybe two. I can't remember for sure. I think we did pretty good against him because uh, I remember – I think he was on a tear and uh, we were, me and Carly had to try and stop him and uh, and we did and he chiseled an assist somehow. I don't know why they gave it to him. It was clearly a turnover after he had touched it and then someone got it. Continued his point streak. So I remember that being kind of bugged about that. Um, and then in Montreal, he torched us. Yeah, we, we had no uh, we had no answer for him there. So it, it was, it, at that time, it was like, Captain McKinnon was really lighting things up too and it was, back and forth like who's who's better who's more dynamic this and that but yeah he's he's just he is worth the price of admission every single time even if the team isn't their team isn't playing good him and dry side are both worth it and uh it's it's a one of those things just a huge challenge going into the game and <laughs> it's a team effort you're not beating that guy one-on-one so yeah you're, you're lucky you get to go out there and uh and see it, see it in person again yeah, so Capitals at the Oilers on Wednesday night. They finished the trip at the Vancouver Canucks on the weekend. Uh, when we come back with Sam Powell, Washington Post, we're going to get into some of the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff because Carl and I love, love to talk about the stuff of just kind of interview dynamics and covering this team. Uh, we'll be back with that on All's Caps. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and Washington Post Capitals beat reporter Sam Pell. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, Sam, this is your third year on the beat covering the Capitals. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, just your thoughts of, of what it's like covering this team uh, the, after a, a Stanley Cup championship, and just you've you've had you've kind of had the short end of the stick a little bit on, on a lot of Zoom access, but but just trying to kind of get immersed in, in this team and cover it when we don't have locker room access really since since before the pandemic. Yeah, it's been super interesting. I mean, I was sort of around when they won the cup. I was right. helping out a little bit. You know, I was helping out Isabel the year after, and then yeah, I kind of gotten a lot of first round exits from here on out. And you know, my first year on the beat, I really haven't actually had a full year to myself. I think the first year was cut short to COVID. Last right. year was obviously the really short COVID season. Now we're kind of in this weird hybrid situation where it seems like things are back to normal. So yeah, my first season, I think it was fun being able to be in the locker room with guys and really have like the side conversations that would never make it anywhere, you know, on paper, but just kind of good to know and getting to know people and their families. And so that was good. And it's just kind of all lost in the last, you know, year or two. Um, But it seems like hopefully it'll be coming back later this year or next year. So it's definitely a weird time, I think. It's still weird for beat writers because you're still around the team every single day. You're usually traveling traveling to all the games. But then again, are you really kind of with the team like you were before in the past? So it's definitely been fun. I've really enjoyed it, but definitely going to be happy when we can be back in a normal routine again. Do you notice, like, even though it has been mainly Zoom, like just from the first year till now, do you notice that, um, I guess the answers you get are a little bit different or uh, the, the friendliness factor changes at all with players. Like, I, I know, I know that I always felt that the more, the, some people give off that vibe where you're just like, you know, instantly open. But for some, I know sometimes I would think, you know, as a, as a year went by, another year went by, it would just be easier to talk to somebody because you feel like you have a bit of a relationship, but do you, I, I guess it's, it's extra hard because of the Zoom stuff, but are you feeling that, like that some players are starting to open up a little bit more to, to questions? Yeah, I think it really depends on the person too. Like I remember my first year, like talking with Braden Holpe when he was still there, like that relationship was really good because we saw each other every single day. Then all of a sudden he leaves, right? And you have all these new guys in the room and they don't know you, you don't know them. And you're trying to interact. And now this is all over Zoom. Like, I don't think any of us even talked to Chara when he was here in person because of the pandemic. So that was super weird. Um, Anthony Mantha, I think we just started to talk to in person when he first came and had his, you know, the start to the season, then he had shoulder surgery. So we probably only talked to him in person once or twice. So I think it really depends on who you talk to, like guys like John and Alex and Nick, like they've always been super great because you have that first year foundation and now maybe they know you, but I do think with the Zoom and not being in the room, I think guys are maybe less inclined to say as much as they would before, just because we're in such a different type of format, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'm actually curious about this too. Do, do you think that, is it is it easier on Zoom to ask a tough question versus doing it in person? You know, like, <laughs> it's like you know, everybody's, everybody's so like seven feet tall, 300 pounds on Twitter, and then yeah. in person, they're back to normal size. Does it, does it feel that way at all when you're asking people questions? I actually feel like it's the exact opposite. Like, I don't, I feel like, 
when I'm in person, if I can be standing in front of someone and I need to, I mean, I remember having conversations with Verona multiple times about when he was in like a slump or he wasn't, you know, he just wasn't playing good. And I remember I went up to his locker and was just like, hey, like, obviously, you know, you haven't been playing good. And like, I just want to kind of understand why you think so. And I feel like that question and the answer that he would give me is probably one that's way more open and honest than if you were put in front of a camera, right? And had to say it to like, 10 to 15 reporters that he cannot see in person and he can't understand the intention or the reaction behind it. There's no way to follow up. There's no like intro of, hi, how are you? It's straight to the point. So I actually feel like those tough conversations and questions are so much easier in person when someone can know your intent before asking it. And, and, and part of this pandemic life has been a few of us, uh, us and, and Emily Kaplan and, and Jim Thomas in St. Louis did that 14-day quarantine to cover the, the bubble in Toronto. Uh, and Sam, you did your 14 days in Toronto, and then the Capitals go and lose in the first round. Uh, what, what was that whole thing like, just like being in the hotel room for the 14 days and then having it not maybe be as worth it as you guys thought? Yeah, it was kind of crazy because I remember we decided to plan my schedule around leaving early. So we were actually, I was in the hotel in Toronto while the Caps were doing their weird, uh, or I guess the Caps were waiting for all the play-in teams to play. And it was just basically about seeding at that point, who would get in. We already knew that the Capitals would be in the playoffs and play in that first round. So I just remember sitting in the hotel, like watching all of these play-in games, thinking like, okay, here's day like six, seven, ten, like, I have to sit here 14 days just to see the Caps um, in a postseason series where we kind of thought it'd likely be more than one round. And then you go out, and I think I was out of the bubble, quote-unquote, for less time than I was in it. Um, I think it was like 10 or 11 days compared to 14, and just with all the COVID stuff was a little crazy. But I do think at the end of the day, like that was probably I would do it all over again just because when else am I going to spend two weeks in Toronto in a hotel watching hockey? And that's all I did for two weeks. Um, and then being out and being one of the only people in an empty Scotty Bank arena, kind of watching playoff hockey was pretty surreal. And I think it also on the back end kind of got the respect from the organization and hopefully some of the guys that I was there, even though I wasn't able to, you know, talk to them in person. Yeah, no kidding. That's a that's a battle. I mean, sitting sitting at least you got TV and stuff. I guess yeah. sitting there for that long for that long. Just oh man, like, even when I had COVID, just sitting in the house, like I had the, the whole house to roam and and the backyard and all that. I was still going stir crazy. So I I definitely think you you win some uh, some respect points just for for going through it, especially with you know the players having to go through their stuff too. So yeah, it wouldn't have been for me. I would have been I would have been on the watching it on TV and trying to get on those Zoom calls. So pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it. And I rented like a basement apartment in a house, essentially in Edmonton. So I could at least get some fresh air. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, Sam, how you did it in the, in the hotel room. I literally could not leave my room. There were no windows. And they had me drop, like they dropped off Uber Eats or they dropped me off like food at my door. And they were like, no, you can't even go down the hallway or like go anywhere. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, no, no, like people can come and knock on your door and like see if you're actually still in your room uh, in Canada. So I decided not to test that out and not to kind of tread the line there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know how I did it, but I think I got lucky because there were so many hockey games on and it was all these really exciting games and just had to get through it to, I guess, essentially do my job. And it would have been nice if the Capitals gave you more than one round. For, for it would have been nice. <laughs> 
This is, I, and, and Carl, I, I know we've talked about this a little bit before. To, to me, this window is that the two Todd Reardon years, and, and you had him as an assistant coach, but to me it just felt like this team wasted those two years where the, the, everyone was still kind of in their prime, and if you had had Barry Trotz back or if you had had it, the next Peter Laviolette or someone like that, that it may not have been as, as those two years or two playoff exits might not have been as rough. Yeah, you know what? It, it's so hard to it's so hard to say though, because like Todd is Todd is a great coach, and he's he's very very smart, and he was doing a ton the years that that Barry uh, was the coach. I mean, the whole staff was doing a ton, so it, it it was it was a tough choice because you have you know it's like having a it's like having that asset, it's like having that player that's coming out of junior that's just had an amazing world junior and. Uh, you actually have another guy who's been in the league for two years that's also playing great. And it's like, I got to choose one over the other because I just need to. And, it, and it's hard to make that call. And I, you know, Todd would, I don't know if this comes into play, but I would imagine that it was a, a little uh, cheaper to keep him around than, than what Barry maybe uh, would have been. But it, it's, it's hard to say. But yeah, looking back on it, I mean, Barry's going to go down as one of the best, best head coaches in, in history. And, it's hard to say bye to somebody like that, especially after you just won a cup. But you know, it, when we look back on it, yeah, it was it was two very unfortunate years where maybe they could have ridden that wave to another cup or two, or at least at least some long playoff berths. But you know, it's it's the whole hindsight thing. So I don't really fault the team too or too too much for it because I do think Todd is a great coach, but. It's hard to go from assistant coach to head coach. Just not many, not many guys can do it. Sure, and Peter Laviolette has done it. I'm, I'm curious, what, how has it been getting to know Peter, Peter, Sam, and and finally now that we're able to talk to him in person, how, how what's your kind of been your your building up a relationship with Peter Laviolette? Yeah, I, I think it's been super interesting because yeah, it was during COVID, and now now, and we see him, you know, every day, and we have conversations, and I've had you know obviously like side conversations with them, and met him before the season for the first time in person. We just like went and grabbed coffee and chatted, and that was super nice. Just getting to know someone outside of hockey, and him, you know, telling me about his family. He loves to talk about his kids. He's a very proud dad. Um, of all of his kids and the sports that they play and what they do and what they accomplish. So I think it's been nice from that perspective to kind of get to know him as a person and um, see what he's done. And then, you know, as far as like a working relationship every single day, I think, you know, he's probably made it very clear that he's pretty honest with what he sees, but there's obviously times when, you know, he's a coach, right? He has to hold back some and, you know, he loves the saying that they're working through things in the room. And that's just something that we like have to live with as reporters. And I think, you know, he'll say off to the side, oh yeah, like I can't really say that, but like, here's what's happening. So it, it's been a really interesting relationship, I think. And I, I'm kind of curious to what it's like in the room with him and players because I feel like so many players have said that they really, really like him, respect him. They feel like he kind of commands a room and it's kind of the been there, done that attitude. And I feel like even with reports, reporters, I think we can tell you, yeah, he's been there, done that. And he's going to kind of operate the way he's always operated in the past. Well, he's, he's no Claude Julian, Carl. <laughs> uh, when we come back on All's Caps, uh, Sam Pell will be the latest victim of Carl's stupid questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm for, I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino with uh, former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and Samantha Pell, uh, Capitals writer at the Washington Post, who is now the latest victim of Carl's stupid questions. Yes. Um, okay. So this is this is my favorite part of the show because I get to, I guess, ask the questions that I've been asked and uh, over the years. And um, the way it works is just uh, answer as as honestly as possible. And if you don't want to, then make something up that you think we might be interested in. And I'm going to give you a a score at the end and we'll put you on the leaderboard here and uh and see how you fare but um yeah it's just for fun points don't really matter they just matter to me um okay first question here what is your guilty pleasure oh my guilty pleasure is watching the food network basically every day and <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's a great guilty pleasure <laughs> i remember binging that all the time so I'm on board with that. And then, okay, I got a couple of new ones actually in this, uh, in, in these questions that I haven't asked before. Um, first one of these new ones is what would be your dream interview? Like someone that you just love to have like a sit down one-on-one chat with. Ooh, that's a great question. Is it anyone like not in sports or is it? If, if you can think of one in sports and one outside of sports, great. If not, then just go just dream interview period. Okay. Um, Hmm, let me think in sport. So I am a really big hockey person now, but I actually think I'm kind of curious. I think LeBron James would be a really fun interview one-on-one since I think I feel like I've watched him for so long in the NBA and him growing up and now he has kids and stuff like that. And I feel like just what he's built and kind of his legacy is super interesting to me. So I think I would say LeBron. Nice. This, Love feels that. Like, this feels like Carl. You could do one of those living or dead questions. You could be like, like, who do you want to have dinner with, living or dead, mm. and 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 who would you want to interview, living or dead? Because there are some some people who aren't around anymore who would be a fun interview. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Very true. And I, I kind of like maybe going like uh, if you're talking to a to a player or something. Like, who would you like to play with? Who's in the league now, or was current, or was in the league at some point? We can go a couple different directions there, but but that's perfect. Um, okay, so. You said you like Food Network, so this is perfect. Um, what's your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Oh, I dinner. <laughs> I yes, I love dinner because I'm a big pasta person, and I could eat pasta probably every single day, and it probably wouldn't be appropriate at breakfast. And <laughs> <laughs> it seems kind of big for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, pasta, big, big, big pasta. Uh, I'm really upset. My favorite Italian place in DC. Aqua Al Due closed during the pandemic, and it's still there. No. There, there are there are other there. I've got a couple other recommendations for you of, of, of places I've heard of and gone to lately. Um, that that they're, they're they're right close to Capitol, not far from one's not far from the convention center, and one is closer to like Capitol Hill sort of areas, but uh, big time like New Jersey Italian and like almost like a modern Love Italian. Love that. Yes. That's all you want. All the wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a list going right after this. Um, well, why not? You just nailed it there because you, you're going to lead right into my next question. <laughs> Sam, I see that you post a lot of pictures of, of some good places on your Instagram. So uh, do you have a favorite restaurant or hangout spot in D.C. for us to go to? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm blanking on all the places I've ever been. Um, <laughs> Isn't that the way? That's always the way it is. You're, you you put like, on the spot you can't remember. I feel like so. Uh, me and my good friend Brianna, we always go to Maketo on H Street. 
and it's a very good Asian place, but they also do like coffee and pastries in the morning. So usually we go and get lunch or dinner, get a drink, and then usually we'll kind of get coffee on the way out. But yeah, I'd say Maketo is a great place. I went to Zeppelin uh, last night in DC. It's kind of like in the Shaw area. That's they're a big sushi place. But yeah, I would probably say either of those. I know Isabel. Why not? I don't know if you've been there. Loved Mikuba. I, I, uh, I, yeah. I, so not only that, but the last <laughs> time I, I I was dog sitting for friends in Columbia Heights, and I texted as this, this was before she went to Ukraine and was still in Moscow. I said, "I'm going to Mikuba." She said, "Order this, this, and this," and it was a top five meal of my life. Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the best restaurants, and it's oh, it's so good. How was how how was how was Zeppelin for sushi? Zeppelin really good. I've been a lot. They have a really good happy hour, but it's yeah, it's just a good like good solid place. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I'll put that on the list. Um, okay, so I feel like I might know the answer to this just based off our conversation, but you may surprise me. Um, would you rather go out with friends? Would you rather stay in watching a movie or TV show by yourself or have friends over for game night or just hang out? Um, I think I'd rather stay in and like watch a movie by myself. Slash like that would be Food Network by myself. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. That I thought for sure you were going to say go and explore, go out and do something. So this is this is what we're learning about people here. This is perfect. What kind of so if it wasn't a Food Network though, is there anything else you you're enjoying? Um, I feel like it all goes in like my guilty pleasures. Like I feel like since we're so into like hockey twenty four seven, and that's like our jobs, I tend to stray away from like watching sports or like watching anything super serious. So it always turns into like reality shows like The Bachelor or like the Food Network and things to like shut my brain off. And I don't really need to think and process anything. And then I just watch and go for it. Um, but yeah, that's usually what's on the TV or whatever rom-com pops up on Netflix that night. Don't, don't, uh, don't spoil The Bachelor for me. I still haven't watched any, any episodes since I went to Beijing. So I have to catch up, I have to catch up on everything okay. from The Bachelor from the time I left until now. Okay. Won't say anything. That's no, a lot no, of episodes. No, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no Bachelor spoilers on, on, on this podcast or in the media room or anywhere else. Holy, you too in The Bachelor. You're on your own on that one. Um, speaking of those shows coming up, uh, the Survivor season premiere coming up here on the 9th. Just make sure you tune in. Best show on TV. Um, that's we, side we should, note. You should have asked Tom Blitty about that. He, he and his girlfriend are, are big time watchers, watchers of Survivor. Oh, really? That's yeah. impressive. I've, I actually put in an application uh, two years ago. Nice. So you can get on there. Yeah. Wait, that's we got a time, out, time out. Time out. So you, you, you put in an application to be on Survivor. Yeah, Survivor, and I also want to get on Amazing Race. I think me and Mary that looks fine. on there, so I'm, I would it'd be a dream. I I don't know personally. I don't think I'd be that great on Survivor, but I think it'd be really fun to uh, to try anyways. And, and same thing with Amazing Race. Yeah, I see you more as an Amazing Race kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I, Survivor's tough. You know, it, it's uh, people are targeted so so fast for some one little thing that they say. So you have to be so careful with with every word you choose and. And, and how to strategize. That's why I think that's probably why I like it. But we, I did, a, I did my, my survivor pool for last season and it ended up winning. So I got to defend the title in this year's, uh, this year's pool, which I think I'm going to draft tonight or tomorrow. So anyways, I digress. Um, okay. Last question here. And this usually throws people for a loop because I don't know it's something that they think about very often, but Sam, what do you think the ugliest vegetable or fruit is? Oh, um, <laughs> 
The ugliest vegetable or fruit? <laughs> that was the exact reaction. I was <laughs> Great question. I just went grocery shopping today, so I'm like trying to figure out what I bought from the grocery store that looks weird. I don't know what the ugliest is. Um, I mean, ginger looks weird. Ooh, that's, that's a, like a root, right? That's, yeah, that's a great response, though. Did you didn't even think about that. That's a it's slice, like, but I think we can count it. Okay. Yeah, I think we can still count it. It's still in the produce section. Yeah, it's there. It's next to like the corn and the leeks. I bought leeks today. I've never bought leeks, but they look like scallions, I guess. So they're not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I got one for you to, to check out. You can Google it or you can try and find it at the grocery store. But a sumo orange it okay. is the weirdest looking orange ever. And, uh, the funny thing is, it tastes unbelievable. Highly, highly recommend it. No, sumo oranges are not sponsoring us, but just take a peek at them. They are so funny looking and wrinkly and weird, but probably the best best orange I've ever had. Okay, I'll definitely have to take a look. Um, okay, so we got that one. I was just going to say Ginger was a heck of an answer. So well played there. Um, Food Network, can you scale Sweet thing. Okay, 54. Okay, that puts you right at 107 points. Oh man, that I think that puts you into a tie for third place podium. There we go. I'll take that. <laughs> yes, congratulations. It's uh, I think everyone's been scoring a little higher lately. They start to figure out how this thing works. Why not? Or, or you're becoming softer. I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah, maybe a little bit softer. You could be right there, but I, I think that. That ginger answer just really, I, I was expecting like a eggplant or, a, you know, something kind of simple like that. But ginger was absolutely solid. Love that. Well, <laughs> Sam, a, a podium uh, performance here on, on Allscast. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. And everybody will talk to you probably the middle of the Capitals road trip next time on Allscast.